Welcome to Bliss Beyond Fear. Your hosts, Des, a transformational life coach, and Gina Marie, a personal development mentor, are here to help you have confidence, embrace your worth, and find your joy. Des and Gina Marie are fierce friends and lifestyle entrepreneurs that will encourage you to have faith, elevate your mindset, and take action so you can achieve the results you desire. They believe that an abundant life is sustained by overcoming your fears through creating a circle that elevates you and rises with you. Your blissful journey begins now. Well, we're really excited to be here with Kristen Ulmer. We are so thrilled that she has offered to do a special interview um, regarding the COVID situation and with her expertise, how she can guide all of us through this. Um, Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're thrilled. And, you know, hopefully you all had listened to the previous episode. Um, and so just real quickly, again, about Kristen. Kristen is a thought leader on fear and anxiety. And we highly encourage you to get her book, The Art of Fear, Why Conquering Fear Won't Work and What to Do Instead, because we think that is particularly insightful um, during this time. So we thought that it would be helpful to spend time just diving into COVID because we recognize that this isn't an isolated issue. It's universal, it's global, and it's something that we can all relate to. So we're really just going to have a free-flowing conversation today about Kristen's perspective and Gina Marie and I kind of just going into even some of our own feelings um, that we've experienced and and people that have come into our circle that have shared with us their experiences too. So we hope you get a lot out of this conversation. So welcome back. Yes, these times, I mean, there's elevated fear and now our relationship with fear is never going to be more obvious. Um, and whatever your relationship is with fear, if it's compromised in any way, the ramifications of that are never going to be more obvious. Like for example, if you're not getting along with the people with whom you're isolating, that has something to do with your relationship with fear. If you're not taking steps to isolate, if you're just kind of ignoring the coronavirus, that is likely because you ignore your fear like all of the behaviors that you can see uh, occurring in your life can be explained if you are willing and interested to look at your unique relationship with fear. And all of the behaviors that you're seeing other people have can be explained by understanding their relationship with fear. So this is uh, an important conversation. So even if you don't feel fear right now and you're like, I don't know what you're talking about, Just sit back and just watch some interesting insights come to you. This was totally evident for me. I had the craziest thing happen, you know, um, when you're talking about in relationships and how it's exposed. And I didn't even realize it was happening because I was thinking to myself, I'm, I'm not afraid of this. I'm not afraid of the situation. I don't really feel fearful, but I did have feelings that I didn't even know I was suppressing because when we first found out that we were going to be um, shelter in place until the beginning of 
of April. I thought, this is great. I can get ahead on some things, do some studying, take some courses. When I found out that it got extended, I started experiencing kind of an underlying anxiety and went through a little bit of sadness. And I think it was because of my fear of being able to provide for the girls. I thought, okay, I can do this for a couple of weeks, but if this goes on for a really long time, I don't know what I'm going to do. And unfortunately, Wesley was the one that got the brunt of it all. All of a sudden, it kind of transferred into like magnifying all these things that he had been doing for six months and I was fine with. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, I don't know about this. And started putting a pressure on him without him even knowing. Like this was all underlined and all suppressed and all of this was happening. And then it all came to a head and I was trying to figure out where did this come from? Why am I like crazy lady all of a sudden? And I I really traced it back to like a feeling of fear. Yes. And we don't want to get too caught up on the word fear because fear has such a, like people have such an assumption that when we're talking about fear, that we're talking about that, oh, there's a snake, you know, that feeling that you get. And um, fear actually is any form of discomfort that you have in your body. Um, It could show up as frustration. It could show up as anger. A lot of people that don't want to feel fear because it feels powerless, they have to feel something. So they feel anger instead um, or sadness. You know, all the emotions get blurred together. It could also show up in your thoughts if you if you're not in flow with the emotion as it shows up in your body physically, because fear actually shows up in our bodies first. It's proven by science that it first shows up as a feeling of discomfort in your body. And it's supposed to flow into, through, and out of your life um, in 10 to 90 seconds, or it stays as long as the perceived threat is there. So right now we have this constant uh, feeling of fear in our lives. And it's not necessarily about anything. It doesn't even need to be about anything. It's just part of life, but it's elevated right now because we also have fear of getting the coronavirus, fear of dying from the coronavirus, fear of what this means for the economy, fear of what this means for us personally, monetarily, um, fear of even people that have a business like mine, you know, I'm a fear and anxiety expert, fear of missing the opportunity uh, professionally um, by do by not posting enough videos or not getting my message out. Like, it's just, there's so, there's so much unknown and so much going on that of course you're going to feel discomfort. And the other thing is that inactivity, like we don't have a chance to go out as much. Like I'm living in a town where I typically go kiteboarding and we're not allowed to kiteboard right now. The beaches are closed. Um, like people are not getting out and moving as much. They're not moving. Like fear is just an energy resource And we're not moving that energy, so it's stagnating. And we also have a repressive, kind of ignoring approach to fear. So all of this combined, it's like there's a lot of discomfort going on. And call it fear, call it whatever you want to call it. Um, Anything to do with discomfort, even if it's physical discomfort, there's going to be an emotion or fear associated with that and what that means. And this is all elevated right now. And as we sit here and feel this, you know, what is our relationship with this feeling? And 
whatever your relationship with it will determine so much. And I mentioned before, if you ignore that feeling, you're going to ignore the coronavirus and just like, no, I'm not going to adhere to these rules. You know, you can't hold me back. Um, if you fight the feeling, like we're taught, like, oh, you're supposed to conquer and overcome negative feelings or discomfort, then you're going to be at war with yourself. You're going to be at war with your body. And if you're at war with yourself, you're also going to be at war with other people. Um, if you try to control the feeling, you're going to feel out of control. And in order to get a sense of control back, you may wind up washing your hands 50 times a day, or you may try to control other people. So I've actually seen this in my town. There's this woman in town that is just on Facebook and just barking at people and yelling at them for any kind of transgression that doesn't support social distancing. Um, also, there was uh, um, somebody that went kiteboarding and another person who knew that we weren't supposed to go confronted him on the beach. They got into a fist fight and he put the guy that was kiteboarding in a headlock and he tore his kite too. Um, that's how we got him to come in. There was another kite on the, the shore and he, he tore it up and tripped it, ripped it up. And so then the guy that was out ignoring his fear, thus ignoring the coronavirus, came in kiteboarding and tried to kick the guy while he caught air. I mean, I'm sure it must've been pretty dramatic to see. And then oh next thing gosh. you know, in a fist fight. So, I mean, like these are the things that we're seeing happening, you know, because we're not having a healthy, inclusive, flowing relationship with our fear. And the list goes on and on. Like any kind of erratic behavior that you see in yourself, um, any kind of erratic behavior that you see in others can be 100% of the time explained by their relationship with fear. If it's not healthy, then they're not healthy. And it just it explains the behaviors. Wow. Yeah. And I, I think there's different, like you said, such a multitude, such a variation of what, what we're seeing. And I'll say for me, it's um, been an evolution of, it's a day by day. I, I don't even categorize the whole thing as an experience. There's just good days and, and bad days. And I found that, um, Gina Marie knows this because she was kind of went through this with me on this particular day earlier this week when I just woke up and had a feeling of anxiety of, boy, this really has lasted longer and it just kind of keeps getting extended. That's, that's a weird feeling. Then I went over to my car well, I passed by it because I needed to lock the gate after the gardeners had done some work and then saw hand sanitizer on the roof of my car and realized that I hadn't driven it for a week. And then I thought that was abnormal. So then I sat in my car and started it and started crying because I was sad that I hadn't started it, which seemed abnormal. So I just kind of sat with that and let it be. I went for a run came inside, made a shake. I knew I, I, I'm working during this time. So I don't, I don't have these long experiences of kind of being able necessarily to stay in the feeling. So I, I jumped back into work, but for that moment that happened, I was like, boy, this is not that enjoyable, but it's okay. And then I just sort of went through it. And I, I don't know, I just imagine that there's a lot of moments that are like that and probably more dramatic than what I just described, but that for, was something that happened. 
for our listener out there, when we see our friends doing this, what can we do to help them? Like, you know, we just wanted to love on Des and everybody, you know, encouraged me when I was flipping out. What, what could we do to help others as far as friends go to encourage a better relationship with this feeling? Well, I think that it needs to start within and with us, you know, and uh, can you actually show them what a healthy flowing relationship with fear looks like as inspiration? And then it'll just kind of naturally come out um, in them as well. I mean, it's been proven that if you're around somebody that's agitated, you're going to feel agitated too. If you're in flow with your emotions, they're going to be in flow with your emotions. And Des, you know, what you described is very, very interesting. It's a very Zen approach to bad moods. Um, so Dogen Zenji is a very famous Zen master in historical times. And um, he was famous for saying enlightenment is intimacy with all things. And we don't use the word enlightenment anymore. It's kind of a cheesy word, unless you're like in formal Zen practice, right? In Japan, probably. Um, we use the word flow. Like nobody would ever say, oh, what I want is to be enlightened. No, they say what I want to be is in flow. So flow is, has replaced the word enlightenment. And flow is intimacy with all things. So what I saw you describe is that you're, you were in flow with your emotions. Like when you're sad, just be sad and cry. And you know, what we do though is, and this is back to the question, like what can we do to support our friends? You know, when somebody's crying, we tend to try to rush them through the emotion because it makes them feel, us feel uncomfortable. Like, don't be sad you know, turn that frown upside down. Here's a piece of cheesecake, you know, don't cry. It's the worst thing you can say to somebody because it shames them for their emotions. Um, and like I said, you're just trying to rush them through their emotion because it makes you feel uncomfortable. You know, you need to support them to feel the emotion, just like you need to support yourself to feel the emotion. It's not a sign of personal weakness. I mean, can you also not apologize if you're crying in public? I mean, if you're crying in your car, there's nobody to apologize to. But if you start crying in front of your family and you hear yourself say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, stop, stop that. You know, can you just be intimate with that feeling? And actually, this is, you'll find this interesting. There was a survey done on men. It was about sex. And um, 90% of men found a woman crying sexy. Ooh. <laughs> I'm going to cry every day. No, I'm kidding. Um. (laughs) So let me just finish though. So can you just be in flow with it all? Can you have intimacy with your fear when it shows up, with your frustration, with your sadness? Life is not all about love and joy and happiness. And in fact, the more you chase these things proven by science, the more elusive they're going to become. Um, And the more you try to get rid of the negative emotions, there's a thing called amplification, the more amplified they will become. So all this effort that we make to stay positive, like you see it all over the internet. Well, we just need to stay positive, stay positive. Do not listen to these people. Do not stay positive. And I'm not a positivity, you know, hater. Like who does, who would, who would diss positivity? But the thing is, In saying that, we are not allowing ourselves or the people in our lives to feel the unpleasant experience 
that we're going through right now in an honest way. We're just rushing them to positivity, to a false sense of positivity. Can we just sit with our discomfort and have an intimate experience with our discomfort now and be in flow with it? Because it'll it'll run its course. It'll be gone soon. And then something else will enter. And maybe this time it'll be joy and it won't be false. It won't be artificially created. Um, so that is the challenge that we have right now. Can we just, first of all, sit with the discomfort? And then the second part, which we haven't even started talking about yet, but I'm sure we'll get to it is, can you juice the discomfort for insights and wisdom? Yeah. Yeah. So, so walking us through this, cause I'm thinking, okay, as a friend, a hundred percent, like you see somebody do, you know, feeling sad. It's like, let's cheer them up. Let's go. I mean, we're going to, we're going to, we're planning a drive by Saturday morning with, for a friend that just came back from the hospital and her dad has been ill and she's been sick. And so we just wanted to do a little parade and let her know that, that she's loved and that she's thought of, um, by doing that, are we, I, I don't want to rush her through it, but I don't want to be like, Oh yeah, sucks to be you that's going on. Okay. Well, bye. You know, <laughs> like, how do you, like, what does that actually look like? So your friend is there, she's crying to help them, you know, you're comfortable with her uncomfortableness is what I'm hearing you say is because if you're comfortable with that feeling yourself, you can help that. What is, what is like some tangible things that we could say to them that would help them to get through it yet also let them know, I love you and I'm here for you. So I don't know what you're planning and I don't know what she went through. So with that being said, I just want to tell you a couple stories. Um, first story, I had a friend who really badly injured himself. Um, like uh, he had a complete dislocation of his knee while skiing. And what that means is there's nothing holding his upper and lower leg together, except for the skin. It was a devastating injury. And uh, half an hour after it happened, I mean, he had to be taken, this is before he was even taken off of the mountain. He was heli skiing. Um, there was a photo that he placed on Facebook. So this would have had to have happened within a half an hour of the injury. So maybe within 15 minutes of the injury, he took a photo of himself like this with his two thumbs up. And he said, I'm going to come back better than ever. He did this within 15 minutes of this devastating injury. And I looked at that. I'm like, oh my gosh, that guy's injury is never going to recover. Because when you're trying to just rush to positivity rather than just sitting with your upset, I mean, allow yourself to be upset. Like I just completely blew up my leg and nothing is ever going to be the same again. And I'm really, really upset. And can you just support that person? And sure enough, you know, it took years and years and years. He had to have multiple surgeries and it just wasn't healing, just wasn't healing. So we need to just not have a positive attitude like he was trying to project. And, and like I said, I said, positivity is great, but if you're like, we're such positivity junkies right now that we've lost our ability to just be with our discomfort. And so to this woman, you know, she is probably feeling hopefully pretty bad right now. And I say, hopefully, because 
she should feel bad. And if she's trying not to feel bad, it's, it's a spiritual bypassing, you know? And so anything you can do to support her in whatever it is that she feels and know that she probably feels like she wants to hide and not um, show any kind of weakness or negativity. And when you show up, she's going to be like, Oh, you know, and happy. And she'll probably feel really happy to see everybody. And maybe you'll do a parade out her window. I don't know what you're planning on doing. That's awesome. Um, but if she starts crying, what you can do is just say, that's right, girl, you cry. You're beautiful when you cry, you know, I'm going to cry with you. Let's cry together because this, this is a scary, sad time. And, and I remember one time, here's another story that I went through a really difficult breakup. I had, uh, was engaged to be married and the guy cheated on me and I was devastated. And for the next year I was just filled with despair and it was with a really good friend of ours and they wound up getting married and having a, got pregnant like five months later. Anyway, it was crazy. And I spent the whole year just in complete despair and it was the most magical year of my life because I felt so alive and my despair just became my teacher and my, my muse. I wound up creating an art project for Burning Man. I've never even made a ceramic mug before. Next thing you know, I'm building a 22 foot long art car and, um, and I rode, um, the art car. I created a rat not because I thought he was a rat, but because like my, my rats, my demons were my fear, my anger, my despair. And I rode my fear, anger, and despair like a horse. I put a saddle on that rat's back and a bit in its mouth. And I found gorgeous men to drive me around. And I just fully celebrated. And I remember the first moment I arrived at Burning Man, I actually ran into the woman that he cheated on me with. And um, then the first minute I was there with the rat, and, um, and I'm riding it down the road, just sobbing and I walk, I'm riding by and there's these three gay boys and they were in loincloths and they're, they're very effeminate and they're right. That's it, girl. You cry, you cry your little heart out. I'm sure it's breaking your heart. And they didn't even know what I was crying about. Like, that's how you support your friends. And that's how you support yourself too. Yeah. Having emotional flow. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> Listening to those stories, it, it brought a word to my mind, which I don't know that it's a word that's used a lot either. Kind of like when you said enlighten, I thought of the word honor. It's like honoring where you're at and it being what it is. And, um, I like that. <laughs> In my book, if I were to, uh, check how many times I put the word honor in the book, there'd probably be about 500. So that's a great word. <laughs> Own and honor were the words that I used a lot and be intimate with yeah. our emotions. And this is, it's so important to do this with your so-called negative emotions. You do this and next thing you know, they're, they're actually not a problem. They don't make you feel bad. They, they actually make you feel alive. And um, like, it's, it's like, I, I, like a pianist, you know, I heard a story about a, a woman pianist whose mother died 10 minutes before she was going to go on to a sold out audience. And she just played brilliantly and beautifully. And nobody in the audience knew that the woman's mother had just died. Um, all they knew is that there wasn't a dry eye in the audience. Everybody was moved to tears. 
Um, like that's what sadness can offer us. Anger can offer us righting a wrong. Um, you know, there'd be slavery still if it weren't for anger. Um, there'd be like right now, there's a lot of teenagers leading the charge on climate change. They're very, very angry. Like the anger is their passion. It's their fuel and their fire and it burns hot and fast and, and changes, you know, change comes from anger. And then fear is actually one of my favorite emotions. Um, if you resist it, you know, if you try to get rid of it, it will just become amplified and it'll turn into an anxiety disorder, panic attacks, or irrational fear. But if you embrace it and if you learn how to be intimate with it, then it is the very thing that makes you feel super alive. And it also is the very thing, certainly right now, that if you're willing to speak of it and talk about what all that you're afraid of can provide for you those insights that I keep hinting at. Yeah, it's, this is amazing what you're saying. It reminds me, so I was listening to this interview the other day with uh, a podcaster named Lewis Howes and he was interviewing a, a relationship expert um, who's also a pastor. His name is uh, Devon Franklin. And the, the conversation they were having is about relationships and what it's like in quarantine and how they can either thrive or they can dive. And um, one of the things they talked about was intimacy. And they said, you know, how can you have intimacy with your partner without sex? So like a different kind of intimacy, what does that look like? And Devon, the pastor that was getting interviewed, said something that I was like, yeah. And he said, ask your partner what they're afraid of. Ooh. That's a real conversation because that is depth. That is allowing yourself to go to a place where people often don't want to go. In, in the conversation, um, when they are talking about going into depth with fear being the best thing that you can do to create intimacy, I, my immediate reaction was fabulous. That's true because that is often, I think, where there's challenges in relationships anyways to begin with, regardless of quarantine and COVID, is because there is a dismissal or an avoidance of conversations that allow you to get into the depth of fear. Um, so I, I just thought that was brilliant. And it lines up with exactly what you're describing about intimacy and being willing to talk about what you're afraid of. And again, don't get too caught up on the word fear because people just have this fixed belief on what fear is. Um, it's any kind of disruption, like a discomfort. And so I actually want to, um, to that, share two practices that I think people can do in order to get along better with their loved ones during this time. Um, because I know that people are having a really hard time. <laughs> and um, and these, these are things that I myself have done with my husband um, the last three days. And it has been, it, literally the la these two exercises in the last three days have brought my husband and I, 12 years into our marriage, the closest and most in love we've ever felt. Oh, so, that's amazing. Yeah. You have a voice and a message, but it can be hard to raise your voice above the noise. So how do you reach your audience and inspire them to take action? How do you increase your influence, grow your network, and drive engagement? 
podcasting is a powerful way to build a connection with your audience and turn that crowd into a community. But where do you start? Rockwood Audio works with entrepreneurs and businesses to design and craft high-quality, smart content that fits your brand like a glove. Rockwood's podcast launch package includes one-to-one coaching and development, strategic and technical support, audio and visual branding, broadcast quality editing and production, and even distribution and setup. They'll get you from idea to iTunes in half the time with a great sounding show that your audience will love. They even wrote the theme music for this show. And Rockwood's subscription editing, production and publishing services takes away the hassle so you can focus on what's important. For a free consultation, go to rockwoodaudio.com. That's R-O-K-K-Wood.com. Rockwood Audio. Brand out loud. The world is listening. So the first one, I actually have a video online that goes into this in depth. And um, I I forget what it's called, but how to end an ongoing argument um, with your spouse in you know, a few minutes. And like it it addresses, like, even if an argument has been going on for 10, 20 years, like this is what you would do to end it. Because you're, when you're have this ongoing argument, you're just making each other deal with your fear. Like you deal with this. No, you deal with this. Uh, no, it's about me. No, it's about me. And, um, so there's, both of these, both what's captured in that video and also what I'm about to outline will end an ongoing argument that you've had with your spouse, maybe for decades. So the first practice, which I'll talk about, which is in that video is where you just speak something that you're afraid of. And the other person just listens and says, yes, that's normal and natural to feel. And then your partner speaks something they're afraid of. And then you respond, it's normal and natural to feel that. And you say it's normal and natural because you don't want to shame them for having that fear. And it also stops your urge to say, oh, no, no, there's nothing to be afraid of there. You don't need to worry about that. You know, like let them have their fear. Um, A more advanced version of that too would be just having a conversation or a discussion about what you're afraid of. And what that looked like for me and my husband, we just did this last night, um, is I remember one of the things that he said that was really kind of blew my mind is he said, I'm afraid that um, our past arguments have done too much damage to our relationship um, that we'll never be able to get past it, past them. He said that to me. I'm like, oh my God, I started crying. You know, I could cry right now just thinking about it. And I... And I realized that, wow, that is really, really insightful and definitely was um, holding us hostage. Like we went through two years of arguments um, that were super tumultuous. We almost got a divorce and we stayed together, but it's still there and it's lingering. And the second we have the slightest argument, it comes up and and it's like I go from zero to like a, a thousand so quickly of just like, you know, so just him naming that next thing, you know, we had a really gorgeous discussion on whether or not we are better now than we were then. And what else can we do to continue to move beyond those two years of arguments? Um, so that's the first exercise. I watched that video and it was, I did. I saw it. The two of you guys going back and forth 
on on uh, what you're afraid of. That's normal and natural. And that night, my youngest daughter came into my bedroom and she was crying, and uh, and she was upset about. Lately, she's gotten really upset about any of us being upset with each other. And I said to her, that's normal and natural. <laughs> I said, it's normal for you to feel that way. And it's so I, I told her, I said, it's okay for you to feel that way. And I'm here if you want to talk to me about it. And I'll always be here for you. Um, we will continue to have discussions about things that we're, we disagree on. And it's going to be normal and natural for you to have those feelings. And she just she just received it and did her crying and kissed her and said goodnight. Oh, that makes me so happy. <laughs> and the video that you're referring to is one that I just posted on Facebook like a week ago. Um, the other one that's on YouTube, I posted several years ago. So look at both of them. They're two different practices. Either work though. I saw it. It came in on my email. So I got a yeah. link on it in my email. Awesome. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so there's good. one I created years ago and there's one that I created last week. Um, both of them have slightly different practices. I was actually referring to the one that I created years ago, but either work, you know, to get you started on just opening the conversation back and forth to what you're afraid of. The second practice that my husband and I have been um, adopting is empathy and empathy practice. And um, when you have empathy for somebody, you feel what they're feeling. So that's how, if you're talking about your emotions, you know, and you, the practice is that, um, and separate it by a day. This is how my husband and I did it. I basically said, look, you seem upset. You seem upset with me. You know, I'm going to just give you the stage to talk all that you're feeling, like go into your body. What are you feeling? what's going on for you. And I'm just going to listen for as long as you need me to listen. And I'm going to empathize with what you're feeling. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to respond. I'm not going to, even if you exaggerate it, I'm not going to do anything but empathize with you. And that's it. And, uh, he spoke for about 30 minutes and I just felt what he was feeling. Like I was him and that was it. And he said, do you want to go next? I said, no, I'll go tomorrow. I gave him that gift. And then the next day I went and I spoke for about a half an hour of all that I was feeling, my contempt towards him about those two years that I was talking about and how hurtful those were to me. And he just sat and I mean, let me tell you, getting a man to sit and just have empathy for you for a half an hour. And, oh my gosh, that was huge turning point in our relationship. So the em empathy super turn on, I'm sure. <laughs> Yes. Right. So <laughs> these are the opportunities we have right now. We have time. We have heightened emotions. You know, we are confined in a space where we now have the, either the opportunity to continue our horrible patterns that caused, you know, difficult, uh, arguments in the first place, or we can try these exercises and really not rush to positivity, not rush to love, as quickly as possible. So as to end the agony of the discomfort, can we actually just sit in the discomfort and explore the discomfort and feel the discomfort of your partner and talk about your discomfort and juice the discomfort like an orange for insights and wisdom and opportunities for learning and growth and opportunities for connection and really 
um, intimacy with each other. You know, what is intimacy? It's like, I can feel you feeling me back. You know, that's what intimacy is. We think it's sexual, but it's also just, I feel you. Yeah. And that, that's, that's the example that you're talking about of juicing, right? It's that, that depth of staying in it. And I think you're also bringing up something that's important that we acknowledge, which is listening. When you're uh, passionate or have strong feelings and there's two people having those feelings at once, there can be exactly a situation where you're talking on each other and it's my turn and it's, you know, and, and then that's where you can get into these, these heated discussions. But in the practice that you just described, when you're in the place of I'm giving this total, like you said, gift to listen without just waiting and counting for it to be my turn to have the floor that is intimate in terms of how you're showing up for someone and truly being there to understand where they're coming from, which is really special. And and the listening, you know, you said you're giving the gift of listening. Like, what does that mean? You know, there's your hearing, there's your ears, but where does it go once it come into your ears? Like, does it just go into your head um, or does it go into your body? Like there's so many different ways to listen and can we feel, you know, this is, this is about the neck down, you know, this is about what we're feeling, what's going on in our bodies. What are our emotions doing instead of just talking and processing and trying to understand, like we typically do, we get into our heads and you know, that's another, I, I was saying before that whatever your relationship with fear is exaggerated right now. Like if somebody is really in their head right now, it's, it's a way to not have to feel the feelings in their body. So if somebody's super analytical, trying to figure out like crunching numbers, like when is this going to end? And then, then their monkey mind, monkey mind, they can't sleep because they're in their head so much. That's a clear sign that they're ultimately probably dealing with their emotions intellectually. Um, they're trying to understand them. It's kind of like trying to understand the universe. You might be able to understand a few things, but really, you know, we're trying to understand them as a way to control them. Like, can we get out of our heads is what I'm trying to say and into our bodies. Mm-hmm. And learn how to feel. So I have a question because I'm really, I'm really curious about what your perception is on this. So I hear you saying, you know, like when you were telling the story about the friend who 15 minutes after ripped up his knee was like, thumbs up saying, yeah, I'm going to come back better than ever. Okay. So with so many books that we read and so many teachers talk about your super attractor. The things that you say out loud are the things that you attract. What is your perception about that and saying, I'm coming back better than ever being like using that super attractor, putting that out in the universe, um, all the things that you want, you speak and visualize, you put them, you write them down, you put them out and what is actually there. Cause you said you're not, you're not against being positive. So I'm just curious about your perception surrounding that. Okay. So, you know, I'm not anti-positivity obviously, but if we are only about positivity, it's a stuck place. 
If we're only about negativity, it's a stuck place. Um, but the, the thing is, let's, let's kind of break down negativity and positivity. It's all perception. You know, our minds are very dualistic. And I, I laugh when people say, oh, I'm trying to be less judgmental. I'm like, good luck with that, right? <laughs> like our minds are super judgmental, you know, good, bad, right, wrong, ugly, beautiful, smart, stupid. And it's a way that we take in a tremendous amount of information and make decisions very quickly. Like I want to hang out with that person. I don't want to hang out with that person, you know? And when we take that kind of judgment internally, like that's a good feeling, that's a bad feeling. And I want to only attract good feelings. And, you know, there's something to be said for um, feeding yourself. It's like your mind is like a puppy and it's going to chew on whatever you feed it or whatever you give it. And if you give it inappropriate things, it's going to chew on that. You know, like my mother, my 86 year old mother before the coronavirus obsessively watched the uh, Trump impeachment and she just hates Trump. And she's like, you know, ferociously, you know, obsessed with, you know, getting him out of office and saying really awful things. She's feeding you know, herself, like this is her passion. And I understand that she's bored and I understand that this makes her feel alive, but you know, in your, the precious few years of her remaining life, like you really kind of don't want to feed yourself that kind of stuff. You know, you don't want to feed the puppy that is your mind that to chew on. Um, so back to, um, just manifesting positivity, you know, it's actually been, proven by science that whatever you avoid becomes amplified. So while I'm a big fan of positivity and, and believing like I'm going to make it, if you're doing that in, in a way that also kind of gets rid of the part of you, that's like, you know what, I'm never going to make it. This isn't going to work. Then it's not going to work. It's, it's, it's like, uh, and we make fun of this stuff on sitcoms, you know, like Seinfeld, Kramer saying serenity now, you know, and everybody on Seinfeld is like, oh, that, you know, that doesn't work. And, and it amplifies later. And at the end of the episode, Kramer explodes in rage or Stuart Smalley on Saturday Night Live, like, darn it, I can do it. You know, darn it, I can do it. And there's another part of you that's like, bullshit, Right. Like you have to first have a positive, if you're going to have a positivity practice or, or gratitude practice, have a positive view of your negative voices, have gratitude for your negative voices. Like for example, um, I grew up feeling very alone and unloved and I felt like I felt invisible and really sad. And I had, um, self-esteem issues. And because I was willing to listen to them and, um, kind of embrace them, you know, it actually gave me, um, kind of fuel for my journey to start jumping off cliffs so as to get attention. And, like my anger that I had towards men. My dad was kind of a jerk. Um, my anger that I had towards him, next thing you know, I was super competitive against men and wanted to kick their asses in a very male-dominated sport. Like, can we just allow our negative voices actually to be? And did I feel like I was 
angry? No, I just felt passionate. And I felt like, oh yeah, check this out. Like, and I don't think any of the men that I skied with felt like I was an angry or negative person or that I had it out for them. You know, it just shows up in a super healthy, motivating way. These, uh, you know, these self-doubt, like self-doubt can actually show up as like, oh yeah, I'll show you, you know, I'll show you self-doubt. Like these things become um, the gas in our car that's going to take us very far. Like none of these things are negative. None of them. The, you know, in Zen, we call it the 10,000 voices. 5,000 of them are good voices. Our mind judging them as good. 5,000 of them are bad. But if you learn how to be intimate with them as well and see them as a positive, they will only show up in your life in a motivating, positive, very wise way, helping you be successful. Well, and the, what you accept about it is it's real. So whether it's joy or it's anger, it's, it is. And I think that, that that's probably one of the biggest reflections I've had, you know, ever since we uh, had the first interview with you is, is exactly that, is the having the feeling be what it is for as, it lo- for as long as it needs to be. To me, that gives me comfort of not trying to do what you, you described, which is rush through, because that's often what happens. And then like in the example that I described to you where I was having that bad day, because I was in my head, like you said, I got to a place that was then guilt, which which was unnecessary because then I was thinking... I went to the place because I kept st- in my head going, how could you be crying? Like you have everything. You have the things that other people don't have. Like, why would you be upset? Like I was punishing myself for a feeling that I was not giving myself permission to have or like questioning why it could show up and why should you be present when there's other things that I should be happy for when the reality was it just is. It doesn't, it's, it, it's irrelevant as to whether or not I have things or, um, cause those are great things, but they just didn't really matter to me in that moment. Cause that's just not where I was, but I was trying to justify it. Like in my mind, like, wait, why are you crying? Like, don't cry. And, but it's exactly what you said. I was totally in my head. It was crazy. What is this? <laughs> the reason why I keep saying, don't get too caught up on the word fear is because shame, guilt, you know, all of that. And it doesn't matter whether you're from Beverly Hills or Baghdad, like life is suffering, you know? Yes, we're all about love and we're also all about fear. I, I think that the whole big trend right now is, oh, we're all about love and joy. It's like, that's not true. It's only partially true. You know, we're about a lot of things. We're also about guilt and shame. And um, we suffer and we're not suffering. We, we don't, um, we're not starving to death. And, you know, certainly in America, like, oh my gosh, like we have land of opportunity and like, I'm not going to be struggling with money or, um, right now, like I know a lot of people are some of my closest friends, their businesses are going belly up and, you know, we just need to give ourselves permission to suffer. We need to give ourselves permission to just be upset and not just go run and get drunk or smoke pot or like put our heads in the sand, but can we just sit with our shame and sit with our guilt? Um, you know, I, and 
what, the second we say, I shouldn't be feeling this right now because my life is so good, that's a stuck place. You know, flow is not the absence of negativity. And Zen, you know, it's so funny. I, I'm studying Zen and the image of the monk sitting on the cushion all blissed out and, you know, it's hard to shake. So Zen, we, we, uh, we think of Zen, we think, oh, you're all happy and joyful and, and peaceful. It's not what Zen is. Zen is about seeing the wisdom in all that life has to offer and having joy about it all. Like, can you just find your guilt and shame a curious thing? Can you be, uh, can you notice it? I mean, you noticed it. Can you then juice the wisdom of it? Um, like maybe why would you feel guilt or shame? Um, you do have a lot. Can you just sit with it? Mm -hmm. Can we just sit with these things? You know, that's what a monk does in a monastery when they meditate, they just sit with their guilt and shame. And some of them will, there's actually a story. Maybe this is a good place to finish too, of, Mm -hmm. um, a woman who was a great teacher of Zen and, uh, she owned a tea shop and, Monks would come from all over the world to study with her. And uh, she had never had any formal training in Zen. So it was a very curious thing indeed that she was one of the greatest teachers of Zen that ever lived. And so these monks that would come up the walkway, what would happen is the second she realized they were wearing saffron robes, she realized that they're not there to order tea or drink tea. They're there for the teachings. She would run inside and she would grab a red hot poker from the fire and come out swinging and beat on them until they ran away. So the story, you know, Zen stories are just very funny, you know, and this one ends with great aplomb, like until and unless you realize why she's the greatest teacher of Zen wisdom, you know, you can never truly be enlightened. So, we get beat up by our fear and our shame and our guilt. And think about those monks in the monastery. You know, they're there meditating for 50 years and they get a little bored. You know, these things are here. You know, they come home and they have the welts and they're like, why would she do that to us? And now they have something to chew on. Now they have something to digest and be curious about. And like, why am I feeling contempt towards her and to work on? It's like nature did get it right. You know, we're perfectly imperfect. We have all these negative feelings. Can we actually meditate on them? Can we actually become intimate with them? Like this is our life's journey, not to rush to positivity or gratitude or joy all the time, but actually when you break your leg to just sit with it, like, oh, I just, I hurt so much right now and I'm so angry at myself and I'm so disappointed and like, what does this mean for my future? And, you know, at the end of our lives, when we look back on the times that we had a broken leg, um, can we think, wow, I... I, I went through that. I had a broken leg and it was very, very painful. And I sat with my pain and I felt really, really alive. And my boyfriend cheated on me and I was filled with despair. And I went all the way with my despair and I felt shame and guilt my whole life. Like that is kind of what we're going for. It seems to just have intimacy with it all to become one with it all. And like, drop by drop by drop, we become a mighty river. I love that. That's a quote. 
That's a Kristen Ulmer quote right there. That is a good place to to end. I mean, we this is this has been amazing, Kristen. I mean, I think that absolutely listening to this is is learning experience for both of us and for everyone who tunes in and listens to us. Um, it's needed. Mm-hmm. Figuring figuring this stuff out together, and that's that's to me that's kind of the the neat part about this. It's it's an odd, interesting weird just situation to be in and we're all we're all just in it moving through and and uh learning along the way so it's been amazing the opportunity is instead of ignoring or fighting or trying to control or trying to understand your discomfort that's in your body can you be considerate of it Mm -hmm. unless you're considerate with yourself and you're considerate with other people That's so great. Well, thank you again for coming back and taking time to, to give us all this wisdom. Um, We're going to put all the information about how everybody could get your book um, on, on our show notes. And thanks again for coming back. Yep. And my website, there's a free fear and anxiety assessment where you can figure out what your relationship is with fear. Start down that journey it's probably different than what you think it is. Mm-hmm. And that's kristenolmer.com. Mm-hmm. So go to kristenolmer.com. We'll put the link in the show notes so that you can go and take that test. And um, yeah, reach out. Reach out to Kristen. There's a lot of wisdom that she has to offer. Um, I know, like I said, I'm excited to just listen, listen to the book and probably honestly have to re-listen <laughs> to, to different aspects just because it's it's one of those things where you have to, much like other things, have to practice and remind yourself. So looking forward to that. But um, thank you. Thank you to our audience for tuning in. We appreciate you all. You know, always send in your questions. We can pass that along. <laughs> we're, we're always open to getting your questions. So um, how to reach us, you can call 1-833-MY-BLISS. It's 1-833-692-5477. You can also email us at blissfulfortitude at gmail.com and you can visit our website at blissfulfortitude.com. And Jean-Marie, there's a new way, right, that people can uh, get in touch with us that's been new as of recent. Yes, so we have our Facebook page is now published and we also started a Facebook group. Um, It's Blissful Fortitude Circle is our Facebook group. And then Blissful Fortitude is our Facebook page. We would love for you to subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss any of them coming up. Share with anybody. Rate and review would be a request of ours as well. Absolutely. So with that, may you have faith in loving your fears. And remember that you are your only limit. So take action today. Thanks for listening to the Bliss Beyond Fear podcast.